And for you all, we're going to be continuing in our little mini-series here. Uh, We are taking a break from our verse by verse by verse through the book of Romans. Uh, What's been happening over the past year and a half here is we are going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the entire book of Romans, not skipping any verses. And to kind of break it up a bit, what we've done is every three or four chapters, we take a break for a month and we pull out topical messages out of those chapters that just were previous. And so right now we're on week three of uh, topical messages and we're going to be in Romans 12.10 as our topical kind of jump off. So that verse in Romans, well, before we do that, the, the, the title is Celebrate One Another. And what I'm trying to do here is to get us all to be in a state of encouraging one another. Uh, We live in a culture where it's very easy to tear down, and that is more the norm. Encouraging one another, building one another up, honoring one another, that is not the norm. Uh, It's not the norm in families. It's not the norm in friendships. It's not the norm in most churches. It's not the norm in neighborhoods. uh, And it's certainly not the norm in, in the larger American context. So we want to be a church that is the opposite of the norm. We want to be the super norm. We want to live supernaturally. And so this is my aim tonight is to encourage you all biblically that we can uh, outdo one another in showing honor by encouraging one another. So Romans 12.10 says this, love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor. Now, when I preached this message just a few weeks ago in the Romans 12 section, uh, this verse, I did not have time to highlight and unpack because I knew this message was coming. And so now's my chance to give it really full attention. So let's do some unpacking it first. We'll pull out the words, what do they mean, we'll make application, and then we will move to other texts that support this main text, all right? So Romans 12.10, this is an exhortation from Paul who wrote this letter to the church at Rome, and he says, listen, Roman Christians, in light of this rich gospel I just laid out in 11 uh, chapters, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love one another. Now that might seem simple. Love one another. In light of all this rich theology, rich doctrine, rich truth, I want you to love one another. But here's the deal. Love is this massive umbrella, and then underneath the umbrella is tons of weighty and eternal application. And so the first thing that Paul wants the Roman Christians, and by extension us in the 21st century, and specifically us at Eternal City Church, he wants us to love one another with brotherly affection. Now this word, brotherly affection, uh, is the word in Greek, Philadelphia. The city of what? Brotherly love. So the Greek is straight up Philadelphia. When you transliterate it into English, that's how you say it. And clearly, brotherly affection is a good translation of Philadelphia. And so he wants us to love one another with this family affection. That's why, you know, some some people get weirded out by this, but that's why in the church you'll often hear people say, this is my my sister so-and-so, this is my brother Eddie. They're like, oh, you, you guys are related? No, we're not. But in Christ, we're related. 
They're like, yeah, I thought so. You, you look a little different. The skin tone's a little off. But we're brothers and sisters because we're in Christ. In fact, as I've said in past messages, uh, friends, we're going to spend eternity with our family in Christ. And I know for me, much of my blood family is not going to spend eternity with me unless things change. And that's the sad reality of uh, being in Christ and being out of Christ. We have people who are from the same mother and father, same grandparents, uh, you know, cousins and whatnot, and they don't believe what we believe and they're not trusting in Jesus for their salvation. And therefore, eternity is not secure. And so these relationships we have within the church, yes, the capital C big church and the small C local church, these will be relationships that we will have forever. And they transcend family relationships. Now, if your family is alive, there's hope. Okay, if your brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, your grandma, your grandpa, your mother, your father, your sibling, if they're alive, there's hope for them that they could be saved. And we know what to do. We share the good news of Jesus, which is the power of God and the salvation. That's what we do. And then we trust and we pray that the Holy Spirit would move on them. But here, the exhortation to the church is you, you need to love one another with this family type love. Treat each other like legitimate brothers and sisters. And what's that going to look like? That's going to look like outdoing one another in showing honor. Outdoing one another in showing honor. Now that first love one another there in the Greek means this, loving dearly and being devoted to. So if we could unpack it this way, love dearly, be devoted to, each other with brotherly or family affection. That's what it means. And that's great. Here's Doug Moo. He's a Roman scholar. He says this. Both key terms in this exhortation, which share the phileo stem, convey the sense of family relationships. Paul here reflects the early Christian understanding of the church as an extended family whose members bound together in intimate fellowship should exhibit toward one another a heartfelt, consistent concern. Paul is then calling on Christians to outdo one another and bestowing honor on one another. For example, to recognize and praise one another's accomplishments and to defer to one another. Now, the outdo smells like compete. smells like competition. And competition is not wrong. There's many competitive people in this church. And Paul is saying, like, look, you want to compete at something? Compete at this outdo one another in honoring the other. Out-honor one another. You want to compete? Let's compete in that. Now, to do that, friends, you have to have your eyes open to find things that are honorable. Right? And, and here's the challenge for us as just human beings who have flesh, not body, but sinful flesh living inside of us. It's really easy to notice all the things that are wrong about everyone else. It's really easy to be offended by everyone else. What's hard is to see the good, to see the excellent, to see the praiseworthy, to see the honorable, and then be humble enough to call it out verbally and praise them for it. Not capital P praise, because that belongs to God alone. But small P praise is what we're being called to do here. You praise what is good and excellent and praiseworthy in other people, especially in the church. And that is loving one another with brotherly affection or family affection. 
Now, as I said, I, I am way more prone to see everything that's wrong about someone, and I have to be really active and purposeful about seeing the good. Am I alone? Right. So we have to be active about this. We have to be purposeful about seeking to see the good, to see the excellent, to see the praiseworthy, and then, oh God, give us the humility to tell them. Tell them we see it and encourage them. And that's, that's what this message is going to aim at. How do we practically honor one another and love one another with this family affection? All right. First, I want to tackle the negative, and then we'll, we'll land the plane on the positive. Is that okay? Okay, because you got to have some negative, like some warnings. I got to give some warnings. All right, so let's, let's start with the warnings, and then we'll land the plane on the positive. All right, first one is Proverbs 27.2. Let another praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. Now, for many of us, we're uncomfortable, maybe because of our background, maybe because of our discipleship. We're, we're uncomfortable receiving any kind of praise from anyone. Like, I don't like that, you know? Or, or maybe we have a temptation like I did as a, as a new Christian, like any kind of like, hey, good job, or that's really nice, or you did fantastic there. I would be falsely humility by saying, oh, no, it wasn't that good. Oh, no, it wasn't that great. Oh, no. I mean, and, and so taking what they said and just minimizing. Meanwhile, in my heart, I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. You know? And it was false humility, right? And God had to show me that I'm doing it without even knowing it. And then God is so gracious to let us mess up repeatedly before showing us the mess up. And so here it's saying, look, you want praise? Let someone else do that for you. Not from your own lips. In other words, friends, don't try to get people to recognize what is praiseworthy in you. Don't do that. That's ugly. Okay? And, and trying to get people to think you're bigger than you are is not good. People can smell the negativity of that. They don't like it. But if you're content to be the one to praise someone else and not draw attention to yourself, what will eventually happen is you will be the one receiving the small p praise or the honor. So this, this is a text that says, look, it's okay to receive uh, praise. Look, let another praise you, not your own lips, a stranger, not your own, your own mouth here. And so the idea is it's okay to receive honor and small p praise from other people, but you should not be praising yourself and you should not be trying to elicit praise from other people. Like, look at me. Look at all I've done. Look at what I'm doing. First Peter 5, 6 says this, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. One translation says, he may lift you up. Okay? Listen, here's my warning. Don't try to lift yourself up in the eyes of others. Don't do that. Okay? What this verse is telling us, these two coupled together are saying, look, if you will be about praising other people, let God in his own perfect timing lift you up. It will happen. You just have to trust him. 
And so for us, we, we're like, man, I've been working hard. I've been slaving for God and I've been working my butt off for other people. And where's the thanks? Where's the recognition? Where's the praise? And you got to be patient. And at the right time, God will give you the recognition you deserve. And friends, listen, we should be ultimately living for God's approval and his praise and not the praise of man. Okay? If you're living solely for praise of man and you get it, that's the extent of your reward. And that's way lesser in weightiness and degree than praise from God. I mean, don't you want to hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master? I want to hear that. And so let's live for that day that we can hear God say, well done, you've worked hard my good and faithful servant. All right, two warnings real quick about seeking and craving honor and glory from others. Two warnings. One, let us not be motivated to do good in order to receive honor and glory from others. So this is a motive warning. Let our motive not be, I want to be seen doing this good so that I will receive praise, glory, and 